everybody. How are y'all doing? I'm Michael. I'm joined by Alex, as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Fallen Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And we're continuing spooky season today as we get into part two of Castlevania, a classic series from Konami that stretches all the way back to the 80s up to the present day. And as we saw from last episode, involves just, you know, a lovely vampire dad who's just hanging out in his castle when just every hundred years a bunch of angry Romanians show up to kill him. What's a guy to do? What is he to do? Mm-hmm. We're going to find out what he's going to do because his plans are going to start to get elaborate in order to deal <laughs> with those pesky Belmonts and later pesky other vampire hunters when the Belmonts just disappear for a hundred years for kind of no reason. Yeah, they just stop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it pretty much is how that goes. You go, eh, we're kind of done for now. <laughs> yeah, Alex, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm I'm excited to continue talking about a series that has had missteps, but on the whole, I feel is just solid. Just a mm-hmm. solid series that's always fun to go into. It is. It's it's a series that like consistently is just like maybe not necessarily with the plot, but like ac- the actual games themselves. Like mm-hmm. even the worst games tend to be at least interested here. Yeah. Which, given the just the wide breadth of how many Castlevania games there are, is honestly kind of remarkable. Yeah, it's r- rather impressive. Yeah, like even Mega Man, my favorite series of all time, like oh boy, has some real lows to it. Let's talk about X Seven, <laughs> shall we? Talk about Mega Man and Base, Ugh. particularly the Game Boy Advance version, where they take a game that was already tough and give you three fourths of the screen to work with. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, thankfully we're not talking about that today. We're going to be talking about Castlevania. And when we last left off, we left off with Castlevania Legends, a game that is not canonical, released in 1997, uh, that basically detailed what was at the point the earliest in the Belmont history of Sonia Belmont meeting Alucard, sort of having his kid, maybe, and defeating Dracula in the process. Uh, A game that immediately was declared non-canonical. And today, we're going to be getting into the second half of the classic Castlevania series, uh, starting with the Nintendo 64, of all things. Because, as we're going to see, Konami is going to make multiple attempts, three attempts, in fact, Mm -hmm. to modernize the series and bring it into the 3D space. Spoiler Uh, alert, none of them work. None of them work. Uh, I will say that all three of them are interesting in their own right. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, they ultimately don't work. And I, I do have to give Konami credit for for all of this, is that they, by the fact that they do recognize that Castlevania is a very successful series, mm-hmm. and they are going to just try so hard and take so many different approaches to this. Yeah, I will uh, recognize, yeah, none of them are th- like throwaway efforts. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And like, as we'll see, like the approaches they take are just going to be so vastly different from one another as mm-hmm. well. Um, from Castlevania 64's more exploration element to Castlevania Lament of Innocence being like, what if Soten but a 3D Castlevania? Right. Uh, to Lords of Shadow, which uh, we'll be talking about in the third episode of this of this series, where it's like, what if we just kind of upended everything? Right. But before we jump into, well, before we get into like Lords of Shadow and all that, we have to like, start at the beginning of all this. And we have to start with the last few games that we that are going to be uh, Castlevania related before 
Koji Igarashi basically takes over the series. And that's going to be the 1990 game, 1999 game, Castlevania, uh, also colloquially known as Castlevania 64. Uh, our protagonist is going to be Reinhard Schneider and Carrie Fernandez, which uh, it's, you can tell those aren't Belmonts. Nope. Uh, spoiler alerts, they are actually Belmonts. But anyways... <laughs> So why this game matters is that it's Konami's first intentional attempt at modernizing the series. You, you could kind of say so in Symphony of the Night was like the first actual attempt. Uh, but that was more a happy accident that mm -hmm. they're going to later really lean incredibly into. Right. Uh, but this one uses 3D graphics and like more story to in order to kind of like show off their game. It has a very like heavy exploration element to it. And, like, the ideas they have in here is kind of crazy. Like, it has a day-night cycle. And, you like, you fight multiple vampires throughout the game. And, like, fighting them at night makes them a lot more difficult. So, like, you're, like, trying to do your best to, like, make sure it's, like, during the day when you, like, encounter them and fight them and whatnot. And, like, you're going on side quests. Uh, it's really, really interesting. Uh, unfortunately, though, game's completely non-canonical. But I feel like it's interesting to talk about regardless. Because they're mm -hmm. going to really do their best to... Uh, insert even more story into castlevania so this game takes place in 1852 as rumors of dracula's revival spread across the land uh a particular man decides he needs to check this out and deal with it and this man's name is reinhardt schneider he is a belmont descendant who takes off the fight dracula after hearing that dracula's castle has mysteriously showed up again uh Interestingly enough, uh, Reinhardt was actually supposed to be called Schneider Belmont, and then somebody uh, told the Japanese development team that Schneider was a German sh uh, surname, and so they inserted Reinhardt in front of it. <laughs> mm. uh, there's also supposedly a really stupid backstory with them where he was made fun of as a kid because they're like, you're not actually a Belmont. Just like, that's really dumb. Right. But hey, you know, it's there too. So along the way, he runs into a 12-year-old girl by the name of Carrie Fernandez. Carrie is a descendant of Saifa Belnades and is already fast becoming a powerful witch in her own right. Now, wait. First, sorry, she's a descendant of Saifa. Is shouldn't Reinhardt also be a descendant of Saifa? Oh, funny that. Yes. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah, so the, it's it's weird thing where it's like she kind of just went more along the Belnades like family line, whereas. Right. You know, Reinhardt went down the, the Belmont one, but they're all related, it turns out. Right, so I thought they all kind of, I thought the family tree kind of got groomed to that one point, mm -hmm. and then branched out from there again. Yeah, pretty much. It It's actually kind of funny in the sense of, like, this is not going to be the first time that somebody's going to be a direct descendant from, the like, the Belnades clan. Mm -hmm. But they're going to do a much better job of being like, oh no, this was before Cypher. Before okay. Cypher. Right. <laughs> uh, they just still kept hanging out with Belmonts afterwards. So, Carrie has a very tragic backstory, um, almost comically tragic, wherein her mother and father were killed by the church for being heretics. She was then adopted by a kindly woman who learned of her powers and sought to protect her from outside forces. However, when Dracula was revived and sent out waves of monsters in the countryside, her adopted mom was killed, tried to protect Carrie. And so, Carrie renounced God, went off to kill Dracula, and ran to Reinhardt, and was like, let's team up to get our revenge, buddy. It's kind so, of interesting, actually. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, she's a she's a twelve year old who has forsaken God, <laughs> learned magic powers, and is like, "Listen, man, I'm here to kill some vampires." 
yeah, I, I don't mind Carrie too much. So this is also, I should also point out that this is now the second game uh, that's going to feature a running, uh, running trend in Castlevania games of having um, a male whip using character and mm -hmm. a, usually a younger female magic character. This is just a, it's a common trope in Japanese media called like Red Oni and, and Blue Oni. Mm. of you know having like these diametrically opposite pairs that kind of team up and like do things right right uh, and castlevania is going to use that to the teeth you're going to mm -hmm. we're going to see that quite a bit more often in, in these games so kind of kind of neat that they're just going to continue along this line that was set up by rondo of blood right so they arrive at the village that's outside of dracula's castle and run to a, like a colorful cast of characters and bat while battling through dracula's vampire army uh three of these characters include charlie vincent an elderly vampire hunter whose sister Reinhardt and Carrie, Rosa, a woman who was turned into a vampire by Dracula, and in an attempt to make right with God, tries her best to help Reinhardt, and Malice, a 12-year-old boy whose entire village was slaughtered by Dracula's minions. So, they all basically like trying to help out um uh, Carrie and Reinhardt in their own different ways. And like what I really wanted to point out Rosa in particular, because mm -hmm. all throughout this game, you actually run into like monster characters who will help you out. Like you run into like a lizard man who's like will like teach you how to do different things. Cause like they try to establish that all the monsters, or at least the majority of them, are basically like villagers that have been turned into like dark monsters and whatnot by Dracula. Right. And a lot of them are like, no, actually, we kind of don't like this. We're going to help you out to defeat Dracula. Hmm. And so it's, it's kind of cool because usually, you know, in these games, you're just kind of like murdering like whatever like runs in front of you. But right, it's like, yeah, it's just all the all the night creatures are just there to kill you. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this case, they're like, hey, no, some of them are actually going to try to help you. And so I, th I thought that was kind of a neat little touch. Mm -hmm. So they arrive at Dracula's castle and they meet Giles de Ross, which I am sure I've mispronounced that, who claims to be the inheritor of Dracula's power and kidnaps malice. Uh. Giles just literally looks like Dracula and <laughs> claims he is Dracula. He is, for all intents and purposes, Dracula. Has Dracula ever given any indication he would uh, bestow his power on other people? Absolutely not. And if anything else, he would be very resentful if somebody tried that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like mm -hmm. he wouldn't be down. He would not be down. Later games will show he is definitely not down with that. <laughs> so Death also shows up and compels Rosa to attack the team. Like, oh, she, okay, yeah. Yeah, Reinhardt fights her off, and eventually she, like, breaks free of her curse, uh, just in time to, like, shield Reinhardt from a mortal blow from death and ends up dying in the process. Mm. Like, eventually, though, all these obstacles are overcome, and the team fights a fully Dracula Giles, who is slain as Dracula always is. And they're like, mm. great, we did it. So they leave the castle, but as they're leaving, they're immediately attacked via bow and arrow by Malice, who's riding at the mnemonic steed. Okay. Yeah, so throughout the game, like, you do, like, rescue Malice halfway through, and he goes, hey, are you gonna actually defeat Dracula? And you're like, yeah, of course. He's like, you can't defeat Dracula. And his eyes turn red, and he runs off. And you're like, you're a Dracula <laughs> boy, aren't you? <laughs> and it turns out, yes, uh, he is a Dracula boy, because 12 years ago was when Dracula was actually revived, and he was revived as a baby. And oh, that baby was Malice. That, hmm. Yeah. Okay, to be fair, his name is Malice. I feel like Maybe yeah, someone should have seen this coming. Really on the nose on that one. Yeah. So he transforms into Dracula and is fought and is defeated. And he transforms back into a little boy. He's like, 
oh man, thanks, you freed me from the curse. Oh boy, that's really great. It sucked having Dracula in me. And then Charlie shows up as like, just dumps a bunch of holy water on him. He's like, ah, shit, no, I'm still actually Dracula. <laughs> that's really good. It's really good. Oh, that's it's really great. Good. Dracula's like, oh, you did it, you won, you freed the innocent child, good job, heroes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then an old man just dumps, <laughs> dumps a bunch of water on him and it's like, nah, God I'm killing you, kid. <laughs> One of my many weaknesses. And so, yeah, he turns into a giant monster and is defeated by uh, Reinhardt and Carrie. Cool. And so the game ends with Reinhardt wondering how the battle will end and Carrie making peace with her dead mother for some reason. <laughs> so... One final thing to wrap up before we move on. Uh, it's a little bit about the backstory of, of Giles himself. So Giles mm. Daras, um, once again, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it because he's French. He was right. a companion of Joan d'Arc. Uh, this oh. is the actual historic uh-huh. Giles yeah. Daras, not in-game. Uh, so he was a companion of Joan, uh, Joan d'Arc who, um, after getting into a little bit of a conniption with the church uh, <laughs> to the point where he kidnapped a bishop, uh, oh. He was investigated for crimes and was found to have systematically raped and killed murder uh, numerous children. Oh, that's um, Bluebeard, isn't it? Um, he might be, yes. Yes, I believe you're correct. Now, uh, he confessed to this before he was put on trial and was put to death by the church. Now, there's been significant questions as to how true this actually was. Um, Catholic Church, not a big fan of Joan d'Arc. And, true. Uh, yeah, everyone associated with her so there's a lot of argument that maybe this wasn't quite true. Uh, it was to the point that I think in 1999, the French government, well, not was the French government, but it was like there was like a major like French retrial involving like mm. um, former like, fr- like French ministers and whatnot participating in a mock trial that exonerated him. Uh-huh. That basically every medieval scholar was like, this is the dumbest thing in the <laughs> world. You didn't consult anybody about this. Like, what is this? This uh... is like the weird laughable thing. Hmm. Uh, it was also disputed because like the Baron who was put in charge of like his prosecution would also going to inherit all of his like land and titles upon his death. I so it's kind of weird that he ended up being put to death. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, it's very questionable, but. Seems kind of interesting that he was based upon him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or at least his name was. So this moves on to the second Nintendo 64 game and the a weird pseudo-sequel prequel slash completed version of Castlevania 64 called Castlevania Legacy of Darkness literally released months after <laughs> uh, Castlevania 64 in 1999. Uh, like to the point where like you play as a new character named Cornell who's a werewolf. But um, in the game, you can actually rescue some people who, upon rescuing them, unlocks Carrie and uh, Reinhardt's stories that you mm-hmm. can just play through. Uh, it literally is like, hey, we just want to come back and actually like complete this, make it run right. a little bit better. And here's the story that we actually cut out from the original game. Now it's reinserted. Right. Well, because I, as I understand it, the game was originally designed to have four playable characters, uh, much yeah, like Castlevania like 3. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, werewolf man i don't i think he was originally conceived as a different character but was supposed to be one of the original characters mm. correct correct and yeah so they were like well we like this so much we did a lot of work with them we might yeah. as well just take a few months to finish this up and put them in and so they did so this is set in 1844 and it tells the story of cornell a werewolf whose sister ada has been kidnapped as a sacrifice to revive dracula 
So he sets out to the state where Dracula's minions have set up residence, and after battling through there, including battling a rival werewolf named Ortega, mm. uh, he eventually finds a revived Count Dracula and a now crystallized Ada. Dracula tells him she's, the, by the way, she's not actually your sister. Which, uh, Cornell's like, I don't care. <laughs> and so Cornell kills him. Nice. Now, however, in order to get Ada out of the crystal, he allows his wolf form to be stripped from his soul and placed in the crystal, exchanging it for Ada, and allows the two to escape. So Cornell's no longer a werewolf. Uh, but he's like, ah, I'm cool with it, whatever. No. And later, though, it's revealed that he didn't actually kill Dracula. It was just a member of the Dracula cult. And this was their plan all along, was to get a powerful wolf soul that had so much magic power that they could revive Dracula as malice. So, hey. Okay, sure. Yeah, it's revive wolf soul. I, do, I, don't, you know. I don't know. It feels like a missed opportunity to give Dracula a wolf form, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. mean, then again, maybe Dracula already had one of those. Doesn't Alucard have a wolf form at some point? Alucard does have a wolf form, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, so hey, there we go. Just setting up how Malice came to be. Cool. So that's Legacy of Darkness. So those two games came out, and they weren't critically well-received. I, I mean, they were solid 7 out of 10 games, so mm. like, it was like, you, you could do worse on the Nintendo 64. Right. Uh, it's a game I actually really want to play at some point, because it just it does look like it's a really interesting attempt at a mm. 3D Castlevania. Yeah. It also has uh, skeletons on motorcycles in it. It it does have that, yes. Which is also pretty rad, but um, it, it, it didn't set the world on fire, and so Konami's going to go back to the drawing board. And as part of that drawing board, in 2001, they're going to release their first game for the Game Boy Advance called Castlevania Circle of the Moon, uh, whose protagonist is going to be a Nathan Grays. This is another game that is not canonical, uh, it's the first because, game though that fall. Go ahead. Because Iga said so. Oh yes, and we're gonna get into that <laughs> right after this. But it's the first game to follow up on Symphony of the Night's exploration style. Mm -hmm. So you go to a castle, you have to explore, get slowly get more powerful in order to eventually defeat Dracula. Uh, this is a game that when it originally came out, I didn't play it. I started with Harmony mm -hmm. and moved my way up from there. And this game is quite a bit different from what Iga is gonna do with uh, these Soten style games later. Right. Uh, I think it's very, very interesting in its own right. I've just always have bounced off of it myself. But mm. eh, you know, you out there in the the world, give it a give it a give it a try. You might like it. I I really want to play it at some point because I also skipped it to go to Harmony, mm -hmm. um, but it, it seems cool. It does. It has some it has some really cool ideas that go on in there of like the magic cards and whatnot. Yeah. So this game is set in 1830, and it starts off with the vampire Carmilla immediately reviving Dracula. And Dracula's like, cool, great, I'm back. This is awesome. And then literally five seconds later, three vampire hunters just enter the room. He's... <laughs> they don't animate it, but I'm sure Dracula just kind of like throws his hands up in the air in a huff. Like, uh -huh. I've barely been back. <laughs> so these three vampire hunters are Morris Baldwin and his two princesses, his son, Hugh Baldwin and Nathan Graves. Nathan and Hugh are friendly rivals trained by Morris to one day inherit the hunter's whip. A magical whip similar to, but not, the vampire killer. <laughs> now, he was a natural who bested Nathan at everything. However, for when it came time to get the whip, Morse chose Nathan instead, which wounded Hugh's pride. Uh, by the way, this is going to be a reoccurring theme. Thing. Mm -hmm. It literally is going to be recycled for the next game. 
Hmm. So they all show up to fight uh, Dracula, and Dracula's like, well, what if I just throw your apprentices into a pit and fight you by yourself? <laughs> Which is what he does. Hmm. Effective. So, it, very effective. So Nathan and Hughes like, split up uh, to find her master. Um, Nathan's slowly getting stronger as he battles Carmilla and her minions. Mm. Eventually, though, he runs into a possessed Hugh, whom Dracula used his hubris and his need to prove his strength to turn him against Nathan. So Nathan manages to defeat him, frees him from his control. He gets up to where Dracula is. He has, like, Morris tied up, about to be sacrificed in a blood ritual. And manages what, to defeat Dracula. For what? Give him power. Does, does he need that? You know, things haven't gone well when it's just been Dracula. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. didn't know that Dracula was fond of rituals himself. I feel like I feel like he's usually the end result of rituals. He usually is, but he's like, well, what if I did a ritual myself? <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of yeah. like compound interest, you know? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Could yeah. he, like, give himself more revivals just stocked up? Exactly. He dies immediately comes back and is like, ha That that would actually be really rough. It kind of would be. I got a fourth form now. How's about that? But yeah, so Nathan battles Dracula, manages to defeat him, castle crumbles, everyone goes, Man, Nathan, you're great. You definitely deserve the whip. The end. So that came out, and you know, it was it was a pretty good success. So Konami's mm. like, okay, we're gonna make a lot more uh, portable Castlevania games in the Symphony of the Night style. Right, which, um, to be fair, I think is a pretty good move. It turns out it's going to be a good move, because it turns out they're going to make five more of that style of game, and they're all going to be pretty great, as yeah, it turns out. Yeah, because um, it's like you're not overshooting, right? Like, you're not overcomplicating mm -hmm. the formula. You're like, this works in a side-scrolling style. You mm -hmm. don't need to pump tons of money into it. Just mm -hmm. let it be what works on the system where that works well. But Alex, what if we did pump a ton of money into it? Oh, no, that's a good plan, too. Yeah. I take it back. That's an even better plan. I think it is an even better plan. And you know, it'd be an even better plan if we got Koji Igarashi to basically lead the charge on a new Castlevania revival. Yeah. Uh, does he Does he have, like, experience in, like, expensive 3D AAA games? Absolutely not. All right. Sounds perfect. Yeah, sounds perfect. No, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. So, yeah. Starting in, I think, of roughly about 2001, maybe a little bit before then, Konami wanted to take another crack at having a 3D Castlevania and really just, like, inundate the world with Castlevania projects in general. And for that, they decided to turn back to the team that worked on Symphony of the Night. Specifically, the game's assistant director, and really de facto director of the second half of the game, mm. Koji Igarashi. So they basically gave him more or less a blank check to produce a series of games, uh, games not only for the Game Boy Advance that are going to be similar to the Symphony of the Night style, but a new 3D Castlevania game, one that was going to be set the incredibly early on in the timeline to establish where Dracula came from, how the Vampire Killer Whip came to be, and why the Belmonts have a thing about hunting vampires. This game... Castlevania Lament of Innocence is a very interesting game and is an interesting attempt at doing a character action game with the Castlevania format that, upon its release, will sell well and will get a relatively decent critical reception. It's a solid 8.0 out of 10 game. Hmm. Uh, 
but ultimately I think everybody more or less agreed is kind of a misstep nowadays. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that it got overall decent critical reception because mm-hmm. all the reviews I saw for it were like this game plays like garbage. Yep, because it it basically <laughs> it basically does. One second. Yeah, I just wanted to pull up the Metacritic scores on this, and yeah, no, Metacritic mm-hmm. was seventy nine out of a hundred. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when was it released? It was released in two thousand and three. Okay. Yeah, so I this is a game that I was excited for. Mm-hmm. Very, very excited and played through it entirely. And uh, at the time, I was like, this does not seem like this is a real good direction for Castlevania. <laughs> yeah. It's a game that takes like some inspiration from Symphony of the Night, but it still makes it more almost like a level-based sort of game. Mm. Like you have a main hub and you split off in different directions of the castle in order to go through the things that you're going to do in that game. Uh And you do get equipment and whatnot, but it's just, it doesn't, it's not quite what I expected it to be, which is, you know, Symphony of the Night, but 3D. Right. And yeah, ultimately it left me feeling very empty because boy, does that game not control well at all. Yeah. Like the impression I got was like, yeah, this game would be pretty serviceable and functional Mm -hmm. if Devil May Cry hadn't already come out. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of inspiration from Devil May Cry and uh-huh. doesn't do it as well. Right. It, very much true. Though the thing I really hate the most about it is going to be the story. Mm. Like, even 16-year-old me at the time thought this story was really, really stupid. <laughs> and let me tell you that story. Yeah. So, set in 20... Oh, geez, not 20. 1094. Mm. Lament of Innocence tells the story of Baron Leon Belmont, who, alongside his friend and master strategist... Matthias Conquest establishes themselves as leaders of a very successful troop of knights. Now, one day, monsters start to attack his realm. However, the church forbid Leon from dealing with them, as they were only interested in him participating in the Crusades. They're like, we need the Holy Land back. I know these the satanic monsters are here, but listen, it's not a priority. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which, yeah, right? Sure. So, Matthias, who recently had been in a very deep depression from losing his wife, Elizabetha, to a sudden illness, Mm. came to Leon one day to tell him the monsters were being controlled by a vampire named Walter Bernhardt, and also his fiancée, Sarah, has been kidnapped by her, Sarah being Leon's fiancée. So Leon's like, hey, listen, I gotta go deal with this. Church is like, no, you can't. So Leon renounces his titles and land to go and fight Walter. On his way to the castle, he meets an alchemist named Ronaldo, a man who, with unfinished business with Walter. Turns out uh, Walter had turned his daughters into vampires, and he's not cool with that. Mm. So he cannot defeat him on his own, though. So he decides to give Leon a whip blessed with alchemy in order to defeat the monsters within. He also tells him that Matthias helped him learn alchemy a long time ago, which Leon's like, huh, I wasn't told about that, but cool. So Leon storms Walter's castle and through his battles learns that Walter is in possession of something called the Ebony Stone. And he is seeking another stone called this Crimson Stone that when combined would allow for immortality, said to be the ultimate goal of alchemy. He then Okay, he's making the Philosopher's Stone, got it. Exactly. So he encounters Walter and demands he frees Sarah. And surprisingly, he's like, yeah, not cool. He can go ahead and take her, leave, man. I've did everything I need. I'm cool. Go ahead and leave. 
Okay. Leon and Leon's like upset about this. Is he attacks Walter, but Walter's like, this whip's not gonna affect me. <laughs> get get out of here. Get leave. <laughs> so th- they leave, they go back to Ronaldo, and they find that Sarah has been bitten by Walter and is turning into a vampire. Okay, now, yeah. Ronaldo tells Leon the only way to cure her is to kill Walter before she fully becomes a vampire. But once again, Leon is unable to hurt him. However, Walter, not Walter, Ronaldo notes that if the alchemic whip he has kills someone that has a part of Walter, he can imbue that whip with the power to kill vampires. Uh. Yes. So Ronaldo says he needs to kill Sarah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's necessarily melodramatic, honestly. Right. Yeah. So Leon refuses, but Sarah implores him to do so. And so in a, a cutscene that involves a dramatic zoom of Leon readying the whip and like a lot of blur effects, Leon reluctantly strikes her down, creating the vampire killer whip. Hooray. So back in the castle. Leon... I don't. Oh. I'm just, sorry. I'm just trying to think about how can a whip kill like a normal person? Mm hmm. And, like, the answer is very slowly and very painfully. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you, you, you can create very deep gashes on people. You can actually cause them to bleed very badly with the whip. Yeah, oh, no, I'm sure you can, but it's, it's like, it's not going to be killing someone with a sword, like, through the heart and it's done. It's going to take a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. And it's yeah. going to be rough. Oh, yeah, no, you, he presumably was at that for a while. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> Just kind of messed up when you think about it. So yeah, with that, Leon now has a whip capable of defeating vampires, which he does. He goes to find Walter and he kills his ass. Now, as he dies, though, he promises to come back with the intention of finding the Crimson Stone and making himself all-powerful, only for death to show up and just take his soul. Okay, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. And he's like, I've done this for the purpose of giving it to the king who wields the Crimson Stone. And then the door's open and in strides Matthias, who's a vampire. Okay, sure. And he's like, hey, Leon, I orchestrated everything so I can get his soul and the stone he desires. Uh-huh. Use that, create immortality, make myself immortal so I can always be revived. Pretty crazy, huh? And then I was like, why'd you do this? He's like, well, when my wife died of that illness, uh, I decided that God sucks. Pretty much that, and I'm going to destroy humanity. Uh, you want to join up with me? <laughs> and Leon's like, no, you... Got my fiance killed. <laughs> he's like, but we, our stories are like parallel now. You, you lost your, your fiance to tragic circumstances. I lost my wife to tragic circumstances. We should be it's like, like bro, sucks. these aren't circumstances. You made this happen. You suck. Yeah, exactly. Which is what Leon says. And so Matthias is like, okay, well, I'm not going to deal with this. Death, go ahead and kill him. I'm going to leave. <laughs> Which is what he does. So Death fights Leon. Leon defeats him. And in the end, he promises to hunt Matthias and all vampires to the end of the earth. Even if it takes him training his descendants to finish the job. We later learn that Matthias would eventually... Well, he already is a vampire. I misread right. that. We would later learn, though, that throughout the years and centuries, he would become known as Dracula. Okay, that's stupid. It is the inc- it is so stupid. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate is, this. Okay, wait. Hang on, though. Ego wrote this? Yep. I thought Ego was all about 
Lisa and the tragedy that turned Dracula to hatred for humanity. Funny, huh? Yeah. What the hell is this crap? Yeah, right? <laughs> Just completely forgot about that one, I guess. Just forgot about the inciting tragedy of Dracula and incidentally Alucard's entire life? Yeah, yeah, no, it turns out he loved somebody else even more so. Who just got sick and died one day. Mm-hmm, and he was and like, well, I guess God sucks. <laughs> okay, that's... Oh, it's the worst. It, it forces a connection between Dracula and the Belmont that is also incredibly unnecessary, in my opinion. I, I, So I agree that it is unnecessary, but I don't necessarily hate the idea of it existing. I think that connection in particular is really stupid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm of the opinion that I think Dracula and the Belmonts just like being at natural loggerheads because they're both right. the best at what they are. Right. Like works and just like Dracula eventually just getting fed up with them always showing up like works for me. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I also so the 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 new origin of Dracula is really stupid. Yeah. I also don't like the idea of the vampire killer being an alchemical creation mm. as opposed to a holy relic. I really like and the the Netflix show kind of plays on this. I really like the idea of the Belmonts using actual like holy energy mm. and godliness despite being constantly ostracized and like demonified by the church yeah yeah it works that it works with the thing of like hey they're kind of above it all right and it, it, like castlevania 64 actually does some of this which i enjoy which is like the church actually kind of sucks and mm -hmm. is not very godly in their own right to the point that like the belmonts are better angels than the clergy mm -hmm. yeah totally totally and like, yeah, it, it's such a workable theme with that. But yeah, then this game, they're like, it's well, like, what if they just sort of made it by beating his fiance <laughs> to death with a whip? <laughs> Alchemy, bro. No, that's stupid. Because then, and again, going back to the Netflix show, it gets into this interesting area of you have Trevor, who is heavily just like disenfranchised with God and mm -hmm. extremely cynical about the church but still uses divine instruments despite that, mm -hmm. crossed with Saifa, who is, you know, a part of this heretical sorcerer clan. Um, and their magic, as I understand it, is not divine. Mm -hmm. But then you have the, the two of them cross their bloodlines to create sort of these ultimate vampire hunters who can both use both divine instruments and I guess you would call it arcane sorceries. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was just, just alchemy. Just alchemy. Yeah, yeah. Just so alchemy. Stupid. They found some books or something. I don't what, know. Is a Grand Cross alchemy too, then? <laughs> Give Ega enough time, maybe. Oh, uh, that's dumb. It's dumb. <laughs> it's really dumb. dumb. Yeah, I, I hate Lament and Vincent's. I, it's a game that I... I was sort of okay with it at first. But even like even when I like saw that story the first time, I was like, this is stupid. Why is Dracula that... Right? I don't know. He was just some dude who became a vampire. No, he's the progenitor vampire or yeah, something. He's, he's like the, the vampire. He's Why the was vamp he just some dude? 
He's a vampire who crawled all over the other vampires to become chief vampire of shit mountain. Like, that's what he yeah. should be. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. So before that we move sucks. on, just a little bit of interesting facts about Matthias. Matthias Conquist was a real person known as Matthias Conquist. Mm. Uh, he was the king of Hungary from 1468 to 1490. Uh, Vlad Dracul III was actually his vassal uh, and prisoner at one point during his reign. And his wife actually is also named Elizabeth. So, you know, once again, pulling from history and pulling from history in an interesting way. Uh, right. You know, would eventually become Dracula. It makes sense that he would be the king of Dracula in a way. So, okay. So then Dracula should have actually been like this dude's vassal. Yeah. And like, that's how he and Leon knew each other. But then, I don't know, some shit happened, and Dracula was like, uh, fuck this guy. Also, I'm a vampire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd been pretty great. I've been down with that. Uh, but no. But no. So yeah, that game kind of came and went. Uh, and now this is where we're going to get into a little bit of weirdness with the timeline. So mm. there's two games I specifically want to talk about last, because they're furthest on the timeline. Uh -huh. So what we're going to do is that we're not going to necessarily go by release date. So some of these dates are going to be kind of all over the place. In sure. fact, it somehow it goes in chronological order from here <laughs> by complete accident. Okay. But uh, just wanted to point that out. We're not skipping the Game Boy games quite yet. They're just grouped together in an interesting way. So our, although this game came out and like it sold well and whatnot, mm. uh, it was decided to give Iga another crack at a 3D Castlevania game. And in 2005, we're going to get Castlevania Curse of Darkness, a storyline sequel to Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse, starring a protagonist by the name of Hector. Now, this game is basically like a 3D Symphony of the Night. Uh, mm. While it's still sort of level based, um, there's a lot more equipment. There's like crafting in it. You get familiars and all this sort of stuff. It actually seems like a really interesting game that I want mm -hmm. to play at some point. Uh, the the reviews I saw on it, it felt very much like it, it had much purer ideas and a much stronger design. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it was maybe the PS2 holding it back. Yeah, it's a pretty late era PS2 game being 2005. Right. And yeah, no, I, I could totally believe it because like some videos I've seen, it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're really going for things with this. Mm hmm. But, uh, but but the hardware at the time could just only let them do so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a game where it's like, man, I bet you if this had a little bit more polish, this could be something really, really cool. But mm -hmm. this game is set in 1479 or three years after Castlevania three. So despite Trevor Belmont's best attempts to like defeat monsters and whatnot, uh, they still roam the land after Dracula's defeat. So it turns out these monsters have been created by what are called Devil Forge Masters. Now, Devil Forge Masters are like Dracula's generals in a way. Mm -hmm. They're humans with alchemic powers who could basically create demons and monsters and whatnot. Now, okay, now this this addition to the canon I actually really enjoy. This is perfectly fine, and it's no shock that they basically took the major story beats of this and just put them into the animated series. Yep. Which I guess, fair warning, uh, broad strokes, we are going to be spoiling the animated series kind of by, by virtue. So I yep. guess if you don't want to know that, you probably should skip this part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like Hector was one of these Devil Forge Masters alongside Isaac. Now, Hector betrayed Dracula one day. He was like 
Dracula learned that Trevor was coming to get him. He's like, Hector, go beat him up. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was tired of Dracula's brutality, and he's like, I'm just going to use this as an opportunity to just leave. And he started living amongst the other humans. Eventually, he took a fiance by the name of Rosalie, and he was living life pretty good. However, one day, Rosalie was just accused of witchcraft and burned at the stake. As they do. As they do. And Hector finds out this was all orchestrated by Isaac, the other forge master, trying to get revenge. So seeking his own revenge, he pursues him to an abandoned castle. Now, along the way, he runs into a mysterious priest named Zaid, who tries his best to assist Hector in finding Isaac, as well as a mysterious alchemist by the name of St. Germain, who tells him that priest sucks and he shouldn't <laughs> listen to him. <laughs> and, like, Zaid clearly does not want anything to do with St. Germain. Like, you see right. St. Germain is like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so, along the way, he also runs into a witch named Julia, a woman who looks remarkably like Rosalie, who hmm. attempts to help Hector out. Now, at the castle, Hector encounters Trevor, who immediately kicks his ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after the fight, Trevor's like, hey, I'm after a man who has the power of death. And Hector's like, oh, that's so like a forge master. He must be after Isaac. And Trevor's like, oh, yeah, I guess we're not enemies. All right, see ya. So during his attempts to fight Isaac, Hector, though, also notices he's like developing a real lust for revenge. Mm. And it's like, he's like, man, it's like it's, I'm being consumed with revenge. This doesn't seem right. Eventually, though, Hector comes across Isaac and Trevor fighting. And this battle, alongside another battle against a guardian monster named Dolahan, apparently somehow causes enough black magic to cause Dracula's castle to rise again. Sure, yeah, okay. At the castle, Hector runs to Julie again, who informs him, oh, guess Dracula's back. Uh, also, you seem to be cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to let the curse take control of you. I think it might be a Dracula curse. Not really sure. And Hector's like, oh, okay, well, we need to get some help. We need to go get Trevor to help us out. But it turns out Isaac heavily wounded him in their fight. He's like, oh, well, really don't want to fight Dracula by myself, but I guess I better do so. And like Hector's like really fearful of Dracula because of his betrayal and whatnot. But he's like, uh -huh. gotta be a man about it. So he finds Isaac and he manages to battle and kill him. Uh, he's like about to just start beating on the body when he realizes, oh, my vengeance. That's what the curse is. The curse is causing me more vengeful. Huh, weird. And then Zade, the priest, shows up and is like, yep, you're right. Uh, I was trying to use you to basically go crazy with lust and revenge and whatnot. The Prime used the perfect vessel to revive Dracula in. But uh, I guess you kind of figure that out. So I'm just going to use Isaac instead. There's so many of these games where they're like, you're going to be the perfect vessel for this. Oh, it didn't work out. Well, I'll just Oops. use this random dead body next to right. me. It's like, why, why bother with these plans? I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. Also, yeah, does Dracula care? Dracula really seem seems to. to be pretty chill with whatever vessel or no vessel. Yeah. As long like, as he's back he's, living his best life, he's okay, man. Yeah, he's the Prince of Darkness. He'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. This might be just a death sort of thing because right. he reveals himself to be death. And he's like, I oh, have right. plans. So he revives Dracula, Hector defeats him, causes the castle to crumble. Hector decides to stay in the castle. He's like, I have nothing to live for. I'm just going to let the castle crumble on me. But Julia shows up and is like, no, get out of here. <laughs> Outside, she offers to let him stay at her home, which he accepts. The end. Seems like a perfectly nice story. No problems yeah. with it. No yeah. notes. I, I, I like it. I think it, um, it does some nice things with what was established in Castlevania 3. It adds some, mm -hmm. some new canon to like how Dracula's armies work. Yep. The, the characters function well. 
it's like they decided to expand the canon and story of Castlevania, and they did so in the way that was unobtrusive. Wow. It's amazing. It's given how often these Japanese series completely fail at that. Mm-hmm. Just, you get points for that, Iga. You've... Yep. Unfortunately, this game did not do particularly well. <laughs> yeah. As far as sales are concerned. It, it was probably suffering from the 3D Castlevania stigma at this point. Yeah, it's like much. we we did this twice. Did either of those work? Not really. Not Does really. this one work super well? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, and with like new consoles on the horizon as well, it I yeah. suspect it probably kind of got hurt a little bit by that as well. And so yeah. with that, they're not going to make another 3D Castlevania for a while. And e when they do, Ego's not going to be the one in charge of it. Hmm. The good news for Iga, though, is that he is going to just move on to thoroughly doing Symphony of the Night-style 2D action platformers. Yeah. And credit to the man, he's going to do a real good job at that. He's going to nail them every time. Mm-hmm. Every single time, which honestly is amazing because they are going to be literally releasing a game every year. Mm-hmm. To the point that it's actually, like, at the time, was kind of too much. A little bit, yeah. Like, these games just did not get a chance to breathe. So yeah. after 2008, when we just had a dearth of that style of game, <laughs> boy, was I happy they made six of those. <laughs> now, the first game that he's going to do with this is going to be part of like his initial push with Lament of Innocence, and that is going to be Castlevania, Harmony of Dissonance, the 2002 game for the Game Boy Advance. Our Which might have my favorite subtitle of the entire series. It's a real good one. It's so good. Mm -hmm. They're going to... They're going to steal half of that for a really interesting and nigh unplayable, if you have more than three people in the same room, mat, like multiplayer game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Army of Despair is such an interesting game. Uh, so protagonist is going to be Juiced Belmont or Juiced. Now, Juiced uh, is the descendant of Simon, and this game takes place in 1748. So... Just and Maxim, two trainee vampire hunters, have a mild falling out over two things. One, Juiced gets engaged to Liddy, a woman they both love. And two, Juiced is selected to use the vampire killer whip over him. Which, honestly, he's the Belmont. Right. What yeah. were you expecting, Maxim? Kind of. I don't know why the whip's, like, lineage was even in question, honestly. Yeah, if there's a right? Belmont right in front of you, I feel like, like what? Right? And just is like notable amongst Belmonts in that not only is he in tune with magic, he's really in tune with magic. Like he mm. can use magical spell books to like imbue his weapons with fire and ice and wind mm -hmm. and classic Castlevania characters or Castle Konami characters, I should say. Oh, all right. Uh, so like, yeah, he was the obvious choice. <laughs> uh, so Maxim goes off the train for two years and comes back one day injured to tell Juste that Liddy has been kidnapped, and that Dracula's castle's back, and he has nothing to do with this, wink wink. Nope, nothing. <laughs> so Juice goes out to the castle to find Lydia, and quickly finds that the castle is not just one castle, but in fact two castles in parallel worlds. And a gimmick that's actually really well done in this game, because uh -huh. you take a portal, end up in a different part of the castle that's like a little bit more demonic, and like the map is just the same. Right. But then halfway through, you take a portal that leaves you in the same place, and the game goes, oh, by the way, this has just been two completely different castles. The map's twice as big. And it's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is rad. Right. So Juice travels between them, and he finds that one of them contains an evil Maxim, and the other has the good Maxim. 
He also learns that Maxim was so jealous of Juice that he gathered Dracula's remains in order to revive Dracula and kill him to prove he's a great vampire hunter. You know what? I like that. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. It's like, I'll, I'll show him who's the better vampire hunter. I'll kill the best vampire. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I messed this one up. <laughs> yeah, because all that happens is that he gets corrupted by Dracula. I'd, I'd really like to think he was like, all right, I have revived Dracula. Now it's time to kill him with my will. Oh, sh- oh uh, whoops. This sort of <laughs> Dracula's just like, yeah, you didn't you didn't think that one through, did mm-hmm. you? OK, now, be my slave. Now, to credit to Maxim, he never quite got to the part where he revived Dracula. He just got his remains into Dracula and went, I guess my soul's going to corrupt you now. Oh, Cause, wow. Because Juiced has to grab all the remains so he can do that to revive Dracula, defeat him, and free Maxim. Which he does. Nice. And he saves Liddy in the process. The end. Yeah, Harmony of Distances is a great game. I love it. Great game. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, has t- maybe two of my favorite music tracks in the game. Mm. Which is good because the rest of the music in that game is garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's a little unremarkable. It's mostly GBA sound chip getting in the yeah. way, really. So now we're going to go to the last game that Ega made. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, his, we're going to be a little all over the place, but right. this is going to be Castlevania Order of Ecclesia, released in 2008. The protagonist is Shinoa, who's the first in canon female protagonist, which I guess mm. I should have mentioned that in 2003... This that is when Iga decided that, oh, we're going to exclude a bunch of games from the canon because oh, this just kind of contradicts certain things and yes. certain bits of the story. And it's only a total coincidence that's all the games I didn't work on. Wow. Amazing. You know? Yeah, and those games are Castlevania Legends, Castle both Castlevania 64s, and um uh Castlevania Circle of the Moon. So just to let y'all know. I guess technically also uh the Castlevania arcade game, but <laughs> I think that that one right. was always going to happen. It's like he's like, you know, Castlevania Circle of the Moon, it's a great game, great game, love that game. Uh Magic Card System sucks, but you know, mm-hmm. story just a little contradictory. The Magic Card System sucks and I just don't think I can slot it in anywhere fuck your Magic Card System. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. He's and he's like, you know, one thing I do like about this is the weird dynamic between these two vampire hunters and how one's jealous of the other. Yeah. I take that from my game. Could just rip that off wholesale. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna bother filing the serial numbers off on this one because no, because it's uh, the other one never happened. Yeah, what other just, one? It just never happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only time this trope shows up in the series. Mm-hmm. Never again. Ah, oh, so yeah. <laughs> oh, Ego, jeez. <laughs> I love Ego. <laughs> It's funny how that's endearing, but if like when yeah, Kenji Inafune does it, it's like, oh, God, like, God, oh, come on. I think it's kind yeah. of there's kind of a critical mass that he reached that Iga just never quite got there. Yeah, he he never burned people as hard as Inafune did. So you're just like, uh, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? It's like how when um if, if when David Cage pulls the crap he does, you're like, oh. God, this is again. Oh God, yeah. But if Kojima pulls the exact same crap, you're like, ah, that's Kojima. Oh, that's Kojima, that funny wacky guy. Oh, look at him putting those war cr- war crime victims in their skimpy outfits. Ah. <laughs> oh, he's incorrigible. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, Order of Ecclesia. Uh, the setup of a few things before we get into here. Um, after Richter gets possessed. 
he basically goes like, man, maybe Belmont shouldn't be the only vampire hunters around. Mm. And so the Belmonts basically just kind of disappear. And so because of that, the other organizations have to rise up for the task of not only fighting vampires, but eventually Dracula when he shows back up. And so in the 1800s, a lot of these clans show up, including one of the most successful called the Order of Ecclesia. Now, the Order of Ecclesia uses glyphs, which are a type of magic that can be used to defeat monsters. Now, wow, what... that sounds a lot like magic cards. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, ain't it? One particular glyph, Dominus, is said to be powerful enough to destroy Dracula himself. Part of this order is Shanoa. Uh, Shanoa, who is modeled after uh, Ego's wife, is chosen to be the human vessel for Dominus by the leader of the order, Barlow. However, before this can happen, Albus, a friend of Shanoa's, uh, steals the glyphs, causes her to lose her memories and her emotions, and she is then ordered to get the glyphs back from Albus via any means necessary. This game is remarkable in its, its story mm. because I have not played it. I have mm. played Bloodstained, though, which is Igor mm. Rashi's most recent game, which features a protagonist that is also based off of his wife, who also right. uses things that are called shards that are like glyphs, <laughs> and has a story that is literally, literally the, same the same thing. It's so the same. It's exactly the same. Oh, it's so hilarious. <laughs> Eager really just went on Kickstarter and was like, none of you played Order of Ecclesia, but you're all missing me right now. So fund Order of Ecclesia again. Yeah, we're go you're going to play this. You're going to play this. I made a great game. I promise. I made a game about my wife. Play it. Yes, please. <laughs> and to be fair, the people who have played Order of Ecclesia have said uh, it, it is probably the best out of the ones he's made. Mm. And Bloodstained is a hell of a game, so... it's They're both... I, I have played probably the first quarter, I want to say, of Ecclesia, and yeah, it's a really good game. Yeah. It's really yeah. fun. I really need to play it one day. <laughs> but yeah, that's our setup here. So, here in Proto-Bloodstained, uh, Shinoa goes off after Albus and ends up at the village of Weigel, where she learns that Albus has been kidnapping the villagers and using their blood for experiments. She also rescues she like rescues them one by one and also mm -hmm. encounters Albus along the way, slowly getting back the glyphs she needs to make the menace. Eventually, she encounters and kills Albus to get the final glyph. In the process of killing him, though, Albus's soul seems to merge with hers, and she learns the reason why he did all this is because using Diminus would kill her in the process, and he wanted to find a way to prevent that. And he'd been using the villagers' blood because they're descendants of the Belmonts. Like, all of them? This particular village, though, because it turns out that, like, Simon, like, after um, uh, Simon's curse, like, he uh -huh. basically just created a village. <laughs> oh. Like, and people just kind of hung out, and it just eventually they all just kind of ended up with a Belmont at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Simon, you know... Bless Simon. He's doing his best. He's not the smartest. Yeah. He doesn't really understand genealogy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think Simon ended up having kids with all the villagers. No, just no, I know, eventually. but it's just like you know, I'll just, I'll just make this isolated village, and mm. reproduction will do its thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. He's like, well, they're all Belmonts. If I use their blood, maybe I can create a weapon to all defeat Dracula. Right. It turns out this was never going to happen, but hey, credit the man for trying. Yeah, he tried. 
So with this information, he goes back to Bar. Uh, she goes back to Barlow, and she's like, "Hey, I'm not gonna do this now. Mm. Maybe we could do something else with the menace." And Barlow angrily tells her, "Oh, if you're not gonna do this, I'm just gonna kill you, and I'll sacrifice you to release the menace, and that's gonna bring Dracula back." And she's like, "Uh, sh- ooh. well, you're an old man." So she. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he expected that to work. He's like, oh, I'll just create the perfect holy vampire killer super soldier. Yeah. Oh, right? no, she's disobeying. I need to fight her. <laughs> yeah, and it ends predict- predictably poorly for him. Yep. But as he's dying, he's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to just use my death to revive Dracula. It's like- Wait, why is he trying to revive Dracula? Oh, he turns out he's part of the Dracula cult, and he was just oh, trying to okay. do this to revive Dracula under the guise of being a vampire hunter. Oh, okay. That yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so Dracula's back. He's Castle's back. And so with no, with her, without her friends and nothing to live for, she's like, well, I'm just going to go and just stop Dracula. I'll just use the menace and use, unleash the power within it to just destroy him. Mm. Uh, killing me in the process. Whatever. I don't care. So she goes and does that and fights him, subdues him, uses the glyph and kills Dracula, but she somehow lives through it. And she's surprised. She's like, how did I live? And then Albus's spirit shows up. And he's like, hey, I, you need a soul in order to use this. Guess what? I just sacrificed my soul to do it. Funny, huh? Oh. Anyways, as a parting gift, uh, I'm going to give you your memories and emotions back. And uh, could you just smile for me one more time? Aw, thanks. Anyways, I'm going to go away now. Aw. And that's how the game ends. Yeah, seems fine. Perfectly fine story. Yeah, functional. Once again, kind of funny that they're gonna literally recycle this more or less. Not not beat for beat, but pretty pretty close. Broad strokes are definitely yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, with that game, um, we'll get to I kind of like the wrap up after that. But yeah, that's the last game that Ego's gonna make for Konami. Mm. So, but before we get to that, we now have to continue moving in the timeline as we're going to move up to the year 1944 with Castlevania Portrait of Ruin, released in 2006. Our protagonists are Jonathan Morris and Charlotte Alune. So this game takes place during World War II. So because of the horrors of the war, Dracula's castle has risen again. But surprisingly, not Dracula itself. Instead, a vampire artist named Bronner and his two daughters, Stella and Loretta, have taken up residence. And the church sends Jonathan and Charlotte to investigate. So- I, I kind of like this idea that whenever there's like incredible strife or evil in the world, Dracula's castle shows up. Not necessarily Dracula, because that takes like a whole revival ritual thing. Mm-hmm. But the castle itself is just drawn to human suffering and wickedness. Exactly. Yeah. Like it acts as the catalyst for everything to happen. Yeah, and then I some like some vampire schmucks are just like, oh, well, that castle's empty. We'll just go in there. Yeah, we'll just hang on out here. We'll use Dracula's power for ourselves. I'm sure this is going to work out fine. <laughs> Enter the interdimensional tra- time-traveling castle <laughs> powered by unknowable demonic magic. <laughs> this will be fine. I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> so Jonathan, he's the son of John Morris. John Morris, of course, being the protagonist in Castlevania Bloodlines back in 1994 mm. for the Genesis. Uh, he inherited the vampire killer whip from him. However, he wasn't fully able to learn how to wield it because mm. his father died before he could fully teach him. Uh, it turns out that if you're not part of the main Belmont bloodline, using the vampire killer drains your life force. 
Ah. So he died an early death because of it. So he was raised alongside Charlotte, uh, herself a descendant of the Belnadis clan and a powerful mage in her own right. Mm. And so they're like just, you know, two friends are hanging on out. Jonathan is hot-headed and steadfast. Charlotte has a steady head, but though loses it, it's not treated like an adult. They're fun. Yeah, fun, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool gimmick where you switch between the two on the fly. One's more mm. magic-based, one's, you know, the whip-based one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not balanced particularly well, so you could just ma- you could just solo the game as Jonathan, but, you know. Right, yeah. It, it, they tried anyways. Yeah. So traveling through the castle, the team has to explore different magical paintings left behind Brawner in order to locate him. And a gimmick that should have been far better than it actually is. Mm. Like, this is a game that... I've, I like Bloodlines because it attempts to make use of the World War One setting at least a little bit. Right. This one is like, we got World War Two. How are we going to, like, use that? And the answer is, not at all. Get in the castle. Get in the castle. Get in these paintings, of which there are four. A mm. painting of London. Um, that looks, I don't know, nice, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, a painting of the Egyptian pyramids. A painting of a British boarding school. And a surrealistic hell painting of a circus that is centered around a dark void that is has a strong enough gravitational pull that as you go through it and circle around it, enemies will be stuck on different parts of the wall in a gimmick that is incredibly, incredibly cool. Like, I really, really mm. like um, The Nation of Fools is what it's called. Mm. Uh, now, does all that, and then after you get to the second half of the game, you have to go through the four paintings again, except they're slightly different. Oh, yeah. Which makes it a lot less cool. Yeah. Uh, Portion of, Portion of Ruin is definitely a game that is the most biggest victim of you have nine months to make a game. Right, yeah. Reuse all these sprites from Symphony of the Night. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I should mention all these games are going to be heavily reusing the sprites from Symphony of the Night. And like each game will like replace some of them. Right. But, but yeah, we're we're on a we're on a game a year schedule, so mm-hmm. crank them out. It's gonna take until Order of Ecclesia before they replace the Medusa head sprites. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah. They go all throughout this castle, go through the different paintings, and they like run into a dapper spirit by the name of Wind who helps guide them through their journey. They also run into Loretta, and after defeating her, get her locket, which has a picture of her, Stella, and Wind in it. And upon oh asking, my god. Yeah, upon asking Wind about it, he reveals those are his daughters, and that he's actually Eric Lacard. Turns out, um, we're going to just still call him Wind. Wind's okay. daughters were kidnapped and turned to vampires by Brawner, and then when uh, Eric showed up to kill them, well, kill uh, Brawner. He was killed instead, and his spirit as wind now roams the halls of Dracula's castle. So the team also runs to death, who is mightily confused that he's back without Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> um, after being told by Jonathan that, yeah, no, this is a vampire named Brawner here, he's like, oh, I am not cool with this. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, all right, listen, I'm not going to fight you. I have bigger fish to fry, but... Uh, I got squatters to deal with. Mm-hmm. I'll come for you later. <laughs> in the meantime, Charlotte also finds a way to cure Stella and Loretta in a fight that's incredibly, incredibly annoying and cures them of their vampirism. After doing so, the sisters decide to help Jonathan unlock the full power of the vampire killer by literally pulling Jonathan into the whips of memories and fighting Richter Belmont. Um, okay, sure. Yeah, it's a good excuse to reuse Richter Sprite. So yeah, there we go. Fair enough. Upon his defeat, Jonathan unlocks the full power of the whip. And he's like told like, hey, listen, be careful about it. It's going to drain your life force. Like, I'm just going to just use it for here. And that's it. (laughs) 
So using it, he confronts and defeats Brawner. Uh, Brawner, it turns out, lost his daughters in World War I, and after that he became a vampire and decided to take control of Dracula's castle, the ultimate goal of killing humanity. Ah. Now, he found Wynne's daughters, and he believed that they, they reincarnated souls of his own daughters, which is why he took control of them. Okay. And so he's, like, super upset when you fight him. He's like, you took my daughters away. And it's like, dude, they weren't your daughters. Right. So death then appears and just kills Bronner. He's like, ha ha, take that. Also, I'm going to use your soul to revive Dracula. Thanks. <laughs> Get a comfy idiots later. Can, can he just do that? Like, whenever? I guess so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the... The every hundred years thing gets more ridiculous, basically with every Ega game that comes out. Right? Right? Yeah, because if you really think about it, Dracula's been back, this now going to be, uh, he's, he came back, um, yo. He comes back like five times in the 20th century. He pretty much does. He came back like 50 years before this game. He came back 30 years before this game. He comes back this game, and he comes back in 1999. Yeah. <laughs> And if you gave them enough time, they probably would have had him come back in the 70s. It would have happened. Probably. But yeah, it, there's definitely the whole problem of like putting a codified timeline is like, mm -hmm. oh, we're running out of places to put him. What, what wars do we have that were bloody? Vietnam. Let's put him in Vietnam. Put him in Vietnam. God, what if they did that? That would be awful. Honestly, it'd be kind of rad. But okay, but not like in the Vietnam War. He's just got to be in, like, like 1972 New York or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just imagining Dracula in military fatigue, smoking oh, a God. cigarette. <laughs> talk, talking about death about the time that he saw Bronner get his throat slit. <laughs> oh, Death is like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, no, that was me. He's like, oh, man, thanks. Uh, that was, that was Charlie. <laughs> so, yeah, they go up and they fight Dracula. Dracula's, like, still super weak from just being revived. So Death uh. is like, I'm going to fight alongside of you. There's two of them. There's two of us. We could take them. In a fight, that's really, really cool. Anyways, you end up defeating at least one of them. And Death goes, hey, Dracula, absorb my powers, which is what he does. Mm. Turns to a giant bat creature that, upon being defeated, Dracula's like, you know, I'm just going to come back, right? And then, like, Jonathan's like, yeah, nah, we, we got it. We'll, <laughs> we'll be here, don't worry. And then Dracula dies. So, castle crumbles, outside wind bids his daughters farewell. They're sad. Everyone's like, boy, that was wild. Anyways, that's the game. Cool. Uh, I, I actually kind of like Bronner. He's kind of a... He's just a sad dude. Who's just lashing out at the world over, like, understandable stuff. Oh, totally, totally, And then yeah. turns himself into a vampire and harnesses the ultimate demonic power to try and kill humanity. Yeah, I, I like it when Castlevania actually has other vampires show up and do yeah. things. And, like, actually explore them. Because it's like, the, the way this game goes, you almost think that, like, Dracula is the only game in town. When it's like, no, nah, right. there's, there's a lot of vampires, it turns out. Yeah. And they're doing things. Yeah, like, no, I, I overall, even if I feel like it fails its setting and by not mm -hmm. only like showing off like the paintings in the game, but also just having World War II and have it essentially not be acknowledged except for the opening crawl. Right. Like, I, I do actually like the underlying story of this game. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, one last thing about Bronner before we move on. Uh, he's named after the real-life Romanian painter Victor Bronner, who's a well-known mm. surrealist artist from around this time period. Uh, his appearance, though, was modeled after Count Orlox, who's also known as Nosferatu, mm. uh, from the famous movie Nosferatu. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to our final two games in the main Castlevania timeline. Yeah. And maybe two of my favorites. And to start is, off, we're going to do Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, released in 2003 for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, often considered one of, if not the best of the portable Castlevanias. Mm. Our protagonist is a one Soma Cruz. So, in 1999, Dracula is revived once more. This time, however, everyone is tired of the shit and they're well prepared. So, a Leading team... to my favorite event in the Castlevania timeline. <laughs> a team being led by Alucard using a ritual to trap Dracula's castle in an eclipse? Yeah. Stealing him from the living world, where, since he's cut off from powers of chaos, he's defeated and just allowed to die? And yeah, Dracula's dead. He is totally, totally dead. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. There's going to be no twist. He's dead. But wait, what was the name of the event? I don't remember, actually. It was the Dracula Wars. Oh, damn it. That's right. It was the Dracula Wars. <laughs> it's the Dracula Wars. <laughs> I think I mentioned in the last podcast episode, too. How did I forget the Dracula I think Wars? So. Oh, man. It's my favorite. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Good old Dracula Wars. Yeah, so the Dracula Wars started and ended. And so, yeah, flash forward to 2035. And the first solar eclipse of the 21st century is about to occur. I think we've had like three already in the 21st century. So yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't, don't worry about it. They almost never happen. <laughs> they almost never happen. So Soma Cruz, an exchange student and probably hand model, is studying in <laughs> Japan when he decides to visit a shrine alongside his friend Mina. So upon watching the event, they are transported to Dracula's castle and are almost immediately set upon by monsters. Soon, a man with long black hair wearing an all-black suit defeats these monsters except for one that Soma manages to kill. Killing that monster, though, releases its soul, which Soma absorbs, gaining its powers. So Soma's freaking out about this, but this man, whose name is Genya Arikado, you don't get any points for guessing who he actually is, <laughs> tells Soma he has the power of dominance and that he needs to fight Dracula's throne if he wants more answers. And like, Soma's like, hey, can you tell me? He's like, nope, and leaves. <laughs> so it turns out that multiple people have been transported to Dracula's castle in the meantime. Uh, apparently, if you were just at the shrine, you got transported. Uh, these include the military man Hammer, um, who hangs out with Mina, uh, Yoko ben uh, Belnades, a friend of Mina and magician, uh, and Belnadis from before the Belnadis uh, Belmont uh, divergence, I mm. or uh, uh, conversions, I should say. Mm -hmm. And a nice missionary by the name of Graham Jones who wears an all-white suit. He's not evil. Totally. Yeah, all, he's like, all clergy people in Castlevania are always cool all the time. Every single time. It's, there's never been a case where they haven't been. Nope. So in the castle proper, Soma also runs into a middle-aged amnesic man named Jay, who like has like a cool beard and go like like a cool beard and like long hair and a ponytail and like mm. wearing like a, a brown trench coat. I, I really like Jay an awful lot. <laughs> he's cool. Anyways, he's just been wandering the castle for who knows how long, constantly killing monsters. 
He's cool. like, yeah, you should be careful about this. This place is dangerous anyways. So Soma, during his travels, is told to be suspicious of Genya by Graham. He's like, he's evil. He has evil demonic powers in him. I wouldn't know. And so, something that's like immediately shattered when he finds Graham stabbing Gyoko. <laughs> mm, yeah, okay. And then Graham immediately tells Soma he was born on the day Dracula died. And he's his reincarnation. And he must be the true master of this castle. Okay. Yeah. And like, Genya shows up and is like, oh, yeah, boy, that dude's bad. You need to get up to, to the throne room now, Soma. <laughs> so Soma gets up there and like, he he claims that he's mastered the power of dominance and but Soma defeats him anyways. Um, and then Genya then arrives and Soma's like, wow, that's kind of weird, huh? He's like, yeah. By the way, I'm Dracula's son, Alucard. And Soma's like, uh, what? Oh. And Soma's like, you have anything else for me? He's like, yeah, you're the reincarnation of Dracula. I was like, how do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it turns out um, that's the reason why it's the power of dominance. And since he's in the castle, he has a link with the chaotic realm now. And so that's why he's now able to absorb souls of monsters while he's there. And so uh, someone's like, well, how do we get back? And Alucard tells him, hey, if you go to the chaotic realm and sever chaos at its root, uh, that will just bring us out of Dracula's castle and back into the real world. And someone's like, well, I guess I'll go do that. So before he could do that, though, he ended up running into Jay again, who's now regained his memories as Julius Belmont, who was part of the Dracula Wars and ended up getting trapped and was unable to escape when the Dracula's castle was sealed in the eclipse. He's like, hey, listen, I need to kill you because you are going to become a Dracula and I cannot let that happen. We have worked so hard to make sure no Dracula's come back. Mm -hmm. And someone's like, can we maybe not do that? <laughs> and then Julius just goes absolutely ham on him <laughs> in a fight that's really, really cool. It does a really good job of just showing off that Julius is kind of a badass. Yeah. Now, someone manages to defeat Julius. and He's like, wow, geez, that's kind of crazy. And someone's like, yeah, listen, I'm not going to kill you. You're not a bad guy. I'm going to go stop this. I'm going to sever chaos. If I sever chaos, there can't be a Dracula. So you got to promise me one thing, Julius. If I somehow do succumb and become the new Dark Lord, you need to kill me. And Julius is like, I think it kind of proved I can't do that, but okay. Hmm. <laughs> so Soma mm. goes to the... Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, mm, this is like one of the strongest Belmonts ever by the look of things, and... Uh. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is probably fine. Yeah, this is probably fine. <laughs> So Soma goes into the Chaos Realm. Like, he gets all of the souls stripped out of him and has to, like, destroy each, like, soul gem individually and, like, mm. destroys Chaos at his root. And in doing so, everybody has returned to reality, albeit severing his power of dominance in the process. Something that he's obviously not that, not that bummed out about. Fair <laughs> enough. He's like, I don't really want to be a Dracula. And yeah. everyone parts ways. This leads to one year later in the next game, Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow for Nintendo DS, released in 2005. A game that's also colloquially known as Castlevania Grind of Sorrow. Because, mm. um, uh, boy, if you want to get all those souls and you want to upgrade <laughs> all your weapons, uh, you're going to be spending a lot of time in that game. Yeah. As I have done multiple times. So mm. in 2036, Soma and Mina are hanging out in the city when a witch named Selena for... Uh, Fortnir shows up, teleports in, and summons monsters to kill Soma. He destroys right. him somehow. Uh, well, he destroys him easily, but somehow he absorbs his souls in the process, which can only mean one thing. 
either Dracula's castle's back or something else. Mm. Celia, uh, Celia then tells him to follow her, if he dares. <laughs> does, Gen- does he dare? Oh, he definitely does. Although Genya and Julius show up and are like, hey, don't fall for the obvious trap. And he's like, we're going to go after her. We're going to stop her. Don't worry about it. Mm. And Soma's like, nah. So he travels to Romania. Okay, with the, sure. With the help of his friend Hammer. Uh, he's now just friends with the middle-aged military man. It's great. Yeah, sure. You know, you hang out in the Castle of Darkness for a few days. You, may, you become friends. Yeah, right. So he ends up uh, going into the castle. Um, you know, he runs, he runs into Genya and Julius. They're like, well, I guess you're here. Yeah, you can help out. <laughs> and it turns out that Celia has a hell of a plan. So this castle is not actually Dracula's castle. Okay. It's a replica of Dracula's castle that Celia had commissioned. <laughs> uh, uh, mm, how does anyone replicate Dracula's castle? That is an excellent question. It's never it explained. unknowable in its architecture. Mm-hmm. It literally defies the consistency of space-time. Yeah, and she's just, I don't know, went to an architect in Romania and was like, are you cool with uh, architecture that doesn't make any sense and just, like, you know, shifts around randomly? It's like, yeah, but, you know, we're going to have to use, he probably just like, we're going to have to use union labor for that, but right. sure, yeah, no, we can yeah. bust that out in a couple of days. And so she does. She does okay. that. So she also has two apprentices that what she's going to do is that after she opens up a, a demon portal to hell, which she did, uh-huh. she is going to have two cult members, one named Dario who has fire powers and one named Dimitri who has the power to absorb souls, though not the power of dominance. Okay. Uh, she is going to use them as the vessel to become the dark Lord. Like they will become the dark Lord. She'll basically worship them. And that's great. Yeah, Dario, okay. because he has the fire powers of Dracula. Dimitri, because he has the power of the compelled, just like Dracula did. Okay. So, you know, Soma, like, travels through there. He defeats Dario and steals his, like, flame powers, causes him to run away. He runs into Dimitri and, like, fights him. Um, uh, Dimitri's a very funny fight, because, like, uh, if you use, like, soul powers on him, he'll absorb those and use them against you, which you can nice. do some dumb things, like, give him <laughs> a soul that he's just literally just, like, just batting the air. You're like, Look at you. <laughs> or my favorite one to give him the uh, the power to throw pies. Ah, nice. But um, upon defeating Dimitri, he's like on the ground and someone's like, I'm not going to kill you. So don't worry about it. And Dimitri's like, well, I'm going to kill myself. And he oh. does so. And, and someone's like, uh, what? <laughs> His soul then flies out and flies into Soma. And he's like, that's probably bad. Yeah, probably. Well, I'm not going to think about this. So, eventually, I feel like this is how you become a Dracula. I feel like it is, but, you know, someone's not going to worry. Great. So he eventually ends up running into uh, Celia, who has another plan. She's like, hey, ch- check this out. And it's mm-hmm. Mina, and she's tied up. And someone's like, oh, wh- what the hell? And Celia's like, how about I kill her? And then kills her. Oh. And someone's like, super angry it starts absorbing all the souls in the castle and she's like yes become the dark lord and someone's like i am definitely going to become the dark lord and kill you you, you know <laughs> this is what's going to happen right so if you get the bad ending that's exactly what happens he basically oh. becomes the dark lord and it immediately kills Celia. and she's like why why would you do this and it's like what, what do you mean why why do you think this was gonna happen 
yeah, it's really stupid. It's really, really stupid. Um, but in the canonical ending, uh, Agenia shows up and goes, that's just a doppelganger. Don't worry about it. Is Amina safe? I can prove it. I, somehow, I have a cell phone, I guess. I don't know. Uh, oh. And someone's Shouldn't like, he have realized that like as soon as he absorbed her soul? Well, he didn't absorb Mina's soul. Oh. Yeah, he, he only is able to absorb one human soul, and that was Dimitri's for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we learned the reason for that is because Dimitri did that on purpose, so he can learn the power of dominance from Soma, because he just, his soul then pops out of Soma's when Soma expels all the souls. Right. Uh, in order to make sure he's not the Dark Lord. And Dimitri shows up and is like, yeah, I guess I can just now absorb all souls now. Thanks, Soma. And Celia's like, oh, that's great. I guess we don't need you, Soma. You could just go and die for all I care. I'm out. Wait, okay. So do we know why Soma still has the power of dominance at this point? Uh, it's because a, a portal to hell essentially was opened. Oh, okay. So it yeah. just came back. Yeah, and like um, when uh, when uh, Dimitri like uh, copied it from him, he just copied it. He didn't like take it from him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Soma's like, all right, well, I guess I got to go into literally hell find you idiots which is exactly what he does he goes into hell he ends up finding uh dimitri again who's like hey look at this and now celia is like tied up and dead oh <laughs> like crazy right anyways i'm gonna condemn her soul to hell and uh now i'm gonna absorb all these souls i'm gonna kill you soma because you suck and i'm the true dark lord i'm now gonna be dracula crazy huh except um He's not really able to contain the power of dominance and all the souls start to bust out of him and like he starts to mutate in a monster and someone's just straight up like, listen, man, there's only one Dracula around here. <laughs> and that's me? Question it's, mark? It's me-ish. <laughs> <laughs> so he transforms into a giant monster called Menace, which uh, Soma destroys. And upon destroying him, all those souls try to flow into Soma, which uh, he's able to su successfully expel them. Okay. Preventing himself from becoming a Dark Lord uh, after thinking of Mina. And he leaves. Um, outside, he ends up running into all of his friends, and he's like, oh, Genya, it, does there need to be a Dark Lord? It feels like in order for God to be known as a good thing, there needs to be something evil to counterbalance it, and does that mean I'm destined to become, like, the Dark Lord one day? And Genya's like, no. No, not at all, actually. And someone's like, oh, cool. Rad. I'm just going to go live my life now. Like, yeah, that's, you should do that. And he's just like, no, that's stupid. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And like, as he leaves, like, again, he's like, hey, you know, if a Dark Lord needs to rise, a Dark Lord will rise. We'll be there to fight it. And that's the game. Cool. Why was Celia doing all that crap? Oh, because, I mean, she's just basically a Dracula worshiper, like oh. everyone else in this game that isn't like the main character. Yeah, it's. It, you know. I, I feel like these games never go into... So what's up with Dracula's cult? Yeah. They're just really wanting to revive him. Do they hate humanity? Do they want to, like, just serve under him? Like, like the one nod is, like, I guess it's either the end of Rondo or the beginning of Symphony, where Dracula's like, it's not by my hand that I was reborn. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like, it was humans that brought me back. And then no one's ever like, yeah, why did they do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the closest I can I can figure out is because he's essentially analogous to Satan. Right. And so they're basically satanic worshippers, but even that's not spelled out at all, so... Right. 
There's a few times you get villains who like want to become Dracula, usually for like revenge mm-hmm. on God or humanity. Mm-hmm. But then you've got these you've got people like Celia who's like, I will revive Dracula. And it's like Dracula's gonna kill you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dracula's gonna murder the hell out of you, it turns out. Yeah, it's it's very I don't really like the story of this game a whole lot. It's very yeah, it's, it's a little it's a little half baked, unfortunately. Yeah, but hey, it is what it is. Yeah. One last thing before we end up moving on to this game is, uh, if you do get the bad ending, you do unlock Julius mode, which is actually a really cool thing. Where normally, like if you play as like an alternate character in these games, it's just sort of like a non-canonical sort of thing. Uh-huh. There's no story to it. This one totally does. It's mm. essentially Julius being like, oh, I guess I got to go murder Soma now. And he teams up with Yoko and Alucard mm. in full Alucard form with his Alucard sprite and everything. And you can switch between the different characters. And the last boss is Soma, who fights just like Dracula does. Damn. It's That's really actually cool. pretty rad. It's really, really cool. It's super well done. Yeah, it's 100%, 100% like it. But yeah, with the, those six games, at at the end of it, uh, unfortunately, Order of Ecclesia, I think partially due to fatigue, mm-hmm. like, each game basically sold less and less. And eventually, right. after Order of Ecclesia came out, Konami kind of saw the writing on the wall with Ika's uh, attempts at uh, continuing the Castlevania franchise. Uh, Boy, it's almost like if you pump out a game and a franchise every year, people get tired of playing it because it doesn't have enough room to breathe or develop new ideas. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Even a super fan like me was like, I can't do any more of this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, turns out other companies are not going to learn that lesson particularly well. Nope. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with that, uh, they're going to go in a different direction. Now, Ika's going to stay at Konami for a while. Uh, and he's going to propose like, a lot of different ideas. Uh, he's going to be the producer on Odomedius Excellent, a uh, very strange, very strange uh, Gradius style game. Mm-hmm. But other than that, his entire time there is going to be pit- failing to pitch con- uh, Castlevania ideas. Yeah. Uh, including a Castlevania game that was going to be in development alongside um, uh, the DS uh, a DS game, a 3DS game that was going to be in the Lords of Shadow universe that mm. ended up getting canceled because that Lords of Shadow game actually was looking really good. In 2011, he was shifted to mobile game development and he quickly found his skills weren't uh, conducive to that format. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, and in 2014, he left Konami. He's like, I, I'm out. I, they're not going to make me make, they're not going to let me make the games I want to make, so I'm going to go make my own studio named Art Play, right. and I'm going to do my own thing. And inspired by Kenji Inafune's uh, successful Kickstarter of Mighty Number no. 9, he did the same. He started a Kickstarter for a Castlevania-like game called Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. Uh, he had already had backing from another another investor, and so already had, uh, I believe it was $5 million towards this project, and he just wanted to have another 10% of the budget covered. Uh, and so he was like, it was going to be very modest. It was going to just be a $500,000 goal. And that goal was completely shattered but to a tune of $5.5 million. Like, they did stretch goals, mm-hmm. and then they did more stretch goals, and then they did more stretch goals on top right. of that. It was kind of insane. And this game would be released in 2019, a game that is basically, what if we took the Dawn of Sorrow format, married it with the story of Order of Ecclesia, and it took everything to its logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. 
And it is a fantastic video game. Yes. And, like, I think one thing it's worth noting is it was kind of rough when it launched. Mm-hmm. And, like, it definitely did not fulfill all of its stretch goals. Yeah. Uh, but they have continued to patch and improve and release new content for it for free mm-hmm. since its release. Until yep. it's, yeah, just become an incredibly good and expansive game. Oh, yeah. Like, they recently released their third character. Uh, which mm-hmm. is a crossover character with the game Child of Light, that Ubi Arts game from <laughs> I think a decade ago at this Something point. Something like that. It was a while. Um, she has, she has very interesting. Yeah, it's really weird. It's very interesting mechanics she has, but it's very mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, they've been like 100% like we're going to support this game to the hilt. Even the Nintendo Switch version that I bought is kind of bad. Yeah, um, it's not great. But yeah, like it's it was basically everything I possibly wanted from a Castlevania game. And they have mm-hmm. said that they are in the process of making the second game and they will do so once they are done with the stretch goals. <laughs> finally, later this year, it will finally be done. Oh. <laughs> uh, and of course, they also did um, contract out any creates to do two 8-bit style Castlevania 3-like games. One mm-hmm. that was so successful, they made a sequel to it. So... Iga's doing great right now. He's, and I, yeah, he's doing great. He's finally getting to make the games he wants on his own terms. Mm-hmm. And it's bearing out. Bloodstained sold incredibly well. Total sales yeah. are unknown, but it is known that the sales of the PC game by the end of uh, June 2020 was over a million copies. So mm-hmm. even if it's only 20 bucks a copy, that and it definitely retailed for more when it came out. That's $20 million. That is, that is a yeah. 400% return on investment. <laughs> so... Yep. Yeah, he's doing great, and I'm incredibly happy for him. Me too. But in the meantime, Konami is going to take one last grand crack at Castlevania. And they're going to go in. They're going to go hard at it. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to give them credit. Yeah. They're going to go hard at it. Yeah. And they're going to rope in maybe their most celebrated game creator in order to help shepherd this project along. Yeah. A little man by the name of Hideo Kojima. As next time we talk about the uh the very very cursed (laughs) (laughs) um very very cursed castlevania games that he is going to be creating but uh, alex do you have uh any final thoughts for us or Uh, how are you feeling yes i I feel i feel good um once again these this sort of I, I guess I would say later half of Castlevania, despite ultimately sort of sputtering out and being left by the wayside by Konami, is just a series of very solid, well-done games. Yeah. Yeah, if you were into that style of game, uh, you were not want for choice, because even like the weaker ones, like Portrait of Ruin, are still mm-hmm. really good games, it turns out. Yeah. Full of like, weird mechanics and... like a credible amount of death and like weird Easter eggs. Like it's, yeah. they're, they're kind of nuts. Right. Um, and like once Konami sort of left those behind, um, I would definitely say that the indie game scene took them up very mm. heavily. Oh yeah. Uh, things like, um, uh, hollow Knight, um, Axiom Verge is a little bit more towards the Metroid side of things, but still in a similar vein. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been, you know, a lot a lot of these the people term the Metroidvania games released as indie games. Mm. Um, and hey, speaking of that, uh, if you wanted to play a new Castlevania game, 
say you've already finished Bloodstained or, you know, Bloodstained just didn't look that interesting. And uh, you're super into Toho, mm-hmm. the long-running independent video game series featuring uh, vertical shooters as well as every other genre at this point. <laughs> Literally, yes. Um, I have good news because there is a game called Komajo Remelia Scarlet Symphony, which is literally Castlevania with Toho characters. Mm-hmm. It's literally just that. Now, despite having the word symphony in its title, it is more akin to, say, Castlevania 4 or Rondo of Blood, mm. uh, in that it has li- a linear sequence of levels from A to B. Um, so less, less exploration, more platformer focused. Uh, but it does perform the amazing feat of rendering many uh, fan-favorite Toho characters very similarly in the style of Ayami Kojima. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious because they still talk and act like they're gremlin anime girl forms while having <laughs> this very serious painterly art style to them. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I have. I also recommend that one. It is pretty darn good. It's quite good, and it honestly, is very hard, also. Oh yes, as is Toho. Yes. And if you want something that's just like straight up like Symphony of the Night, uh, there's also another game literally on Steam right now that's based upon the Record of Lotus War. That mm. is literally just. <laughs> you look at those screenshots and you go, Ah, yes, that is yeah. a Symphony of the Night because it basically mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Uh, also very much highly recommended. Right. Yeah. You're yeah, you're basically you're just not want for choice anymore. It used to yes. be for a long time you were, but then mm-hmm. with the democratization of video games in a way, uh yeah. you now they're now actually kind of too many. There's too many a of li- them to yeah, play. yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's kind of oversaturated. Like I don't th- like did we even mention Hollow Knight? <laughs> Uh, I I briefly touched on it. Um, oh, you did? Okay, all right. Yeah, I thought you did, which, but I, I didn't know if my brain died for a second. Right. And now, to be fair, I personally have not played Hollow Knight, but everyone I've talked to says it's kind of the best Castlevania clone ever, mm-hmm. including probably Bloodstained. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe the best game ever made in the genre. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, too. Yeah, uh, so... So the, the tradition that Iga himself started, which is, what if we just made Castlevania without Konami, lives on in fine form. Mm-hmm. It indeed does. It indeed does. Yeah, and, well, they seem to be pretty allergic to actually making a Castlevania game that I do <laughs> like. I'm really glad that all these do exist. Yeah. So it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Huh. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today, Alex. Appreciate mm-hmm. you joining us as always. Of course. And for you, the viewer, if you want to listen to part one, you can find that at ftp.podbean.com alongside other fantastic podcast episodes. Uh, You can also find us on uh, iTunes, Google Play, all your good old podcast services choice, Overcast. I think the majority of our listeners are actually on Overcast. Um, And just searching for Falling Through Plot Holes. Uh, I appreciate you all joining us and look forward to talking with you all most likely next week. We'll see. As, we'll see. We t- as we talk about some really, really dumb games that involve... <laughs> what if Tracky went, went to New York? Uh, That'd be cool. No, it wouldn't. But that'll be next week. Take care, everybody. Take care.